There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. I am Heidi Palermo, head of community here at Adweek, and I'm so excited to welcome today's guest, Ms. Ukanwa Ojo, Chief Marketing Officer of a truly household brand, at least in my house, Prime Video and Amazon Studios. Ukanwa, welcome to CMO Moves. Thank you. It's really good to be here. I'm glad um, we were able to get this to work. This is awesome. Absolutely. I'm so glad we could make this work. But before we begin, remind me, in what part of the world are you? That is a really great question because <laughs> I used to live in New York and I'm en route to LA, um, but I'm currently in Houston, Texas. It's so funny, right? With like COVID, everybody's kind of bunked down in different places. Now Literally we can never know where people are. Yeah. Like, <laughs> on video and it's like, what, remind me where you are. Again. That's awesome. How are you liking Houston? Oh, it's good. The weather is amazing. It's the best winter experience. It's a good place to be bunkered down. Yeah. Excellent. Well, um, so, so, you know, you joined your role as CMO in September. So fairly recently and prior you were um, the CMO for Matt Cosmetics. So coming from beauty to Amazon, tell me about what made you want to take on this new role. 
Oh my God, agonized about that forever because I had just joined Mac and I was loving Mac. I love Estee Lauder, which is the parent company. And it was a really hard decision um, to make the move, but it really came down to, I met my Hopkins, who is the head of Amazon Prime Video and Studios. And he just struck me as an incredible leader with an amazing ambition for the service. And I wanted to be a part of building that. I, as soon as I met him and we got to talking about the opportunity and, and what lay ahead, I just couldn't imagine not being part of the team that made that happen. And um, yeah, so just like that, I started seriously considering it. And the more I met people on the team, the more I met um, all the other leaders, like I just got more and more excited about it. Um, and yeah, like fast forward almost five months later, like I'm here and I'm really enjoying it so far. Yeah. What a fun brand, both to come from and to go to. I mean, you've had yeah. quite the roster and we'll talk about that in a minute, a bit more about your background, but So did you see yourself going into entertainment or was it truly just, you know, serendipitous and then you got to know more about Mike's vision for the brand that drew you to it? Yeah, it's interesting. I've always been a fan of entertainment um, my whole life. So it was a natural draw in that sense. And I had other opportunities to, to join entertainment in the past, but for whatever reason, they just never seemed exactly right. But there was something about meeting Mike and seeing him as a leader and his vision, being a part of Amazon. I love the culture of Amazon and the leadership principles. I I joked with my husband the first time I spent time with the leadership principles. I was like, these read like my personality traits in some weird way. (laughs) And then I also just, I'm a natural fan of the shows. Like before I joined Amazon, like I loved the shows that we had. And so for me, I see it as such a privilege to lead the team that introduces those incredible shows to people. Yeah, I feel like a lot of really cool things kind of came together at once to make this like a really attractive opportunity. And um, so, yeah, I said yes. And and the last five months have validated that that it was the right decision because I'm having a I'm having a ton of fun. Wonderful. And before we started recording, you were just starting to tell me a little bit about the difference between Prime Video and Amazon Studios, how you guys work together. Tell us a little bit about that, because I know most consumers, most of our listeners, right, we're going to know Prime Video. That is everybody's playing it. But Amazon Studios, um, that's a different audience. It's for creators. So tell us about that. Yeah, no, it's great. So one of the unique things about my role is I'm the chief marketing officer for both Amazon Studios and Prime Video. And everybody's like, is that not the same? Well, it kind of is and it kind of isn't. So Amazon Studios, that's the studio. Like they create all of the amazing content um, and do all the um, high level acquisitions that we do. Um, And so that's very similar to a lot of other studios that you will see in Hollywood who like their role is to just make incredible shows, make incredible movies, and just be a really great home for talent. And so your customer there are the creators because you want the best creators choosing you as a home for all the incredible work that they want to put out into the world. And so the way that you market that's a little bit different. Um, And then you have Prime Video that is, that's the streamer. Um, We're the ones who take distribution from Amazon Studios, but we also have shows and movies that are not from Amazon Studios that are also 
on Prime Video. And so that's really the distribution. That's the streamer. And so our number one source of content is Amazon Studios, but we get a ton of content from even from, you know, from individuals. We get a lot of content from other um, studios and it all lives on the service that we basically use to distribute content to our customers all over the world. So, so one is primarily consumer facing and the other one is primarily creator facing and the marketing for both are kind of the same, but they're kind of not. And it's kind of fun to, to wear both hats. And so if we see Amazon originals, that's coming from... That's coming from Amazon Studios. Yes. Okay. Got it. Very very cool. And that market is just getting more and more competitive. So I can only imagine the marketing that's needed to your point to make sure that people feel like they want Amazon to be their home. Exactly. And Jen Salky, who's the head of studios, she's been doing so much great work um, and some really great overall deals with creator talent. Um, So we really partner together um, to to make sure that like Amazon is a home that creators want to bring their best work. And that's ultimately really good for customers because at the end of the day, that's what people come to us for is to watch all those great shows. Um, So it works really well to have both of them having one marketing lens. Yeah. And we'll come back to some of the projects that you're working on and very excited about it. But I want to, I want to stay on your career path for a minute and just go back to your journey to CMO. Did you ever think you'd be a CMO? I mean, you have, you have a background at some of the most incredible brands, General Mills, RB, Unilever, Cody, Mac. At what point did you realize the CMO role was what you were striving for? That's a really great question. So I started on my career in finance, actually, I spent almost six years in finance. And at some point, did quite a bit of reflection and realized, you know what, like, it was a very linear decision for me, you're good at math, you study accounting and finance, you have a career in finance. But then upon reflection, I realized that I was the daughter of two entrepreneurs, one in transportation and one in fashion design. So my mom is a fashion designer. And in my DNA was the analytical and the creative. And I had probably leaned a little bit too hard on the analytical and the creative part of me was just hungry and just super thirsty to be nurtured and fed. So I had to find a career path that brought the two of those things together. And that was a really... um, um, important moment in my life. I did a lot of self-reflection in that moment. And I decided on this career called brand management, which at the time I had never heard of. And then I, you know, switched into the career in brand management. And that was at General Mills. That was my first role there and um, worked on a number of brands for them and have since had increasing levels of responsibility within that career path. And that's how the the role of a CMO kind of opened up. But I would say like in the beginning, I was primarily on an analytical track. um, And I've since, you know, added the uh, creativity to that. But I love being this like left and right brain leader, because at the end of the day, like we exist to drive the business, we exist to make an impact on the financials. And so it's actually really cool to be able to mix the creative and the the analytical together. Absolutely. We we have heard, I, I know on prior CMO Moves episodes, other CMOs who have started in finance, but then oftentimes you have those who who lean heavily on the creative and then they're kind of playing catch up with the finances. So how have you used your financial, you know, those six years, do you find yourself really benefiting from that or has it just been more so the practicing of it within these brands that has bolstered your financial acumen? Yeah. 
No, I rely on it a lot. First of all, it makes for great partnership for the CFO. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> we speak the same language. I'm like, I want what you want. Like at the end of the day, like we exist to drive the business. And I wholeheartedly believe that. And so that's where it's really important because at the end of the day, it's what is the ultimate goal here? What are we trying to achieve from a business perspective? And then it's an Amazon thing where you walk back from that and then you start building towards that goal. And so where it, you start seeing it reflected in having that background is my team will tell you that, yes, I'm a creative person, I'm a marketing person, but I start with the end in mind. And I'm like, what is the business objective that we're trying to achieve? How do we make sure that this is going to be profitable, that this ultimately will deliver what it is that we set out to achieve? And I'm not afraid of measurement and I'm not afraid of having some of those really hard decisions about the choices that we're making to, to drive growth. So I, that's where you see the analytical side of me. And then on the creative side, I'm like, like dreaming big and what is going to get consumers to emotionally connect with the brand. And like, is this really going to light the internet on fire? Are you really sure? Or are we just doing the basics? Um, like why? Would somebody want to be a part of this brand um, in a way that they haven't before? And like really geeking out on the insights there, like really geeking out on the emotional connections. Um, and I think the power really comes in the combination of the two, because you can get lost in emotion in a way that doesn't impact the business. And that doesn't last very long. <laughs> That's when you, you have a very contentious a uh, contentious relationship with the with your finance person or with your CEO. So I think when you're able to bring those two together, there's really this ma this magic there. I like to talk about it as the map and the magic. When those two come together, I think it's really, really powerful. Wow. Couldn't agree more. And is there anything else you would say you've taken from your early roles in brand marketing that you still carry with you today? Like what's something that maybe you've just taken as a common thread throughout all your roles? Yeah, um, I think it's just that common sense approach to creativity and to impact and just saying like, will what we're doing really drive the, the needle? And how do I feel that in here? Because um, I think there are a lot of times when you check all of the boxes, you've dotted all the I's, you cross all the T's and you go, I don't know, like it just doesn't feel big enough or it doesn't feel powerful enough or it doesn't feel emotive enough. And that's the human side of marketing that's with you when you're 15. It stays with you when you're, you know, 43 going on 44, which is where I am right now. Like it just never leaves. And there's something very childlike about it. It's almost like your childlike response to the work and to the vision and to the plan. And so never letting that die and having that always be present, I think is, is really, really important. I love that. That's great. Great tip. And going back to your role now, what are you working on that you're most excited about? You know, we were, we were ch talking about just new content coming to the platform, yeah. coming to America for starters, uh, yeah. favorite of mine, and lots of other content, right? <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what your team is focused on, what you're most excited about going into this year. Yeah, it was so funny. It was one of the validating decisions or validating moments when I joined Amazon was when my first green light meeting was the green light for coming to America. Oh, how fun. <laughs> because it was, my, it's my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. Like, of all time. It's my favorite movie. And so I literally was sitting in this meeting and I'm like, what are the odds that like the first meeting I get to be a part of that say, yes, we should do this happens to be my favorite movie of all time. I'm like, I am supposed to be here. That's the time is this. This is the moment. <laughs> and it has been such a joy 
to work with the team to bring this incredible classic to the world and to work with Eddie Murphy to make sure that we, you know, take care of his baby and we market it in the right way and we get the world excited about it. And we make sure that it's just this amazing cultural moment for comedy and for Black people before Wakanda, there was Zamunda. It was such an incredible inspirational moment for a lot of Black people um, when it came out about 32 years ago. And so when I think about the moment that we're in right now, to be the home that brings that back to the community, it feels really special and it's an incredible privilege. And I'm just really proud of the team who's working really hard um, to make sure that it's a really special moment for people and that it, it lives up to what they expect of it. Anything fun as far as the activation goes for coming to America that you can share that was fun for your team? Oh my God. Um, I feel like we've probably had maybe too much fun with, with this one. Um, like <laughs> um, over, over Valentine's, everybody loves Randy Watson. Over Valentine's, we got to share out sexual chocolate. So we actually made sexual chocolate. <laughs> And, and we sent that out to people. I'm happy to send you one if you want to be a part of that. But like people were like, oh my God, this is pause this podcast and go watch Coming to America and then come back because that movie is that is just classic. Yeah, we've sent people like beautiful like crowns because it's so oh, regal. Oh, um in the movie. He basically, he comes back to America and he does it on a gold plane. And you'll see prime planes. We're actually like painting them gold um, so that you get to see like these huge prime planes are going to be painted gold to symbolize him coming back to America. So yeah, we're doing a lot of the standard. Yes, it was on the Super Bowl. Yes, we're doing a lot of amazing social plans, but all those really special moments we're doing... um, uh, showing with the Smithsonian for the costumes. And yeah, there's just, there are a lot of really cool, interesting marketing activations that those who are true fans really know what it's about and they get super excited about it. And it's been really great, like bringing all of that to life. Yeah. Oh, so fun. I'm a big movie geek. So I think all that is just so <laughs> exciting to be able to work on those. Yeah. And, and what about what's next? What are you guys working on that you're really excited about? Yeah, no, the slate of content that we have a number of different, we have 10 different nominations in the Golden Globes, um, which is at the end of this month. And we're super excited about that. As we look forward to the future, we have really great IP that we've developed in-house um, as part of Amazon Studios that's going to be coming to the world. We have Wheel of Time. That's just this incredible fantasy IP. So excited to bring that to the service. We have Lord of the Rings um, that's going to be coming um, that we're, um, our studios um, are developing and it's going to blow your socks off. It's so incredible. We have so much diversity and talent on the service and a lot of really great stories. We just announced that Donald Glover and Phoebe Waller-Bridge are going to be coming together to do a Mr. and Mrs. Smith sequel. So yeah, I mean, like you you name it, there's um, so much great work. We have Underground Railroad, an incredible um, series that we've worked on with Barry Jenkins, who's an Academy Award winner. So yeah, um, there's so much fun content coming and a lot of great surprises. And we can't wait to introduce them to folks. Awesome. Yeah, what a fun product to work with. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I'm like, yeah, um, it's so funny. Like on the weekends, I'll, you know, like fire up 
um, fire up Prime and we'll start watching movies. And my husband's just like, I can't believe you watch movies for a living. Like, this is what you do. Like, yeah, it kind of is. Like, this is what I do. I watch movies and shows for a living. Yeah. My first job was at a movie theater. And I'll never. No way. Like, I mean, I love my job right now, but movie theater, that was like the best job ever. Yeah. Cause then you didn't just watch movies. You had popcorn, like the whole thing. Every night, every night. Yeah. But yeah, my, my son, he's three and a half. And every time where he wants to watch something, he'll go, I, you know, I think he's on prime video and he'll just all, he doesn't know if it is or not. He'll just always, cause he hears us say that all the time. <laughs> oh, it could be any ever. And he'll say, I think it's <laughs> That's adorable. I love that. How old is he? Three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah. That, oh my God. I love that age. I remember when my son was that age. Yeah. Such a good age. <laughs> So let's talk about who's helped you along the way. When you think about your career, it it takes a village. You can't do it alone. What jumps out at you as people who have really helped shape your career and your life choices? Yeah, I, there's so many, I don't even know where to start. I'd say, first of all, like my parents for like teaching me to be like gutsy and just never being afraid to go for it. I was the only one in my family who chose to come to America to go to school. And they gave me the opportunity to do that at 15. So I was like, none of this would have happened if that hadn't happened. After working five and a half years in finance and deciding that I wanted to switch into brand marketing, I went to talk to my boss's boss's boss, Jim McGrain. And I tried to get his advice about going back to school and going, cause I was part of his org and going back to business school. And he not only was supportive about me going back to business school, but he challenged me to apply to a top 10 school, which is not what I was considering at the time. Um, I just wanted to go to the school, like in the neighboring like city. And he was like, no, you're going to go to a top 10 school um, because it's really important. And I will support you. I will write your letters of recommendation um, to, to really support you in that endeavor. And he did. I applied to three schools and he was right. I got into two of them and I graduated, you know, at the top of my class. So like he saw that when I didn't see that and I will forever be grateful to him for that. And then you know, after that, I've, I joined General Mills. And I remember when I was an associate marketing manager, our chief marketing officer, um, Mark Addix, I had a lunch with him one day and kind of a, from afar, he saw some of the early work that I was doing as an AMM. And we had these first Wednesdays and every month you would have best in class examples that you got to show to the whole company. And I had gotten the opportunity to showcase some of my work very early on in my career. And I remember I was doing lunch with him one day and he said to me, you're going to be a CMO one day. And it was so like, I was in AMM, like, I was just like, really? Cause I'm just right now, I'm just trying to sell Cheerios. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> like I, I can't AMM is, is that a, what is associate marketing manager. Like okay. literally that's the first rung in the career path, you know? And for him to see that then, and not just see it, but tell me um, that that stayed with me. And then I later on became the president of our Black Champions Network, which was our Black Employee Network. And one of my dreams was to have Ann Fudge come back to come speak. And she was the first 
Black woman that I met that was in a C-suite role. And I remember seeing that and going, wow, like if she did it, like I can do that. Um, and then it turns out I was working at, you know, or I had worked on Honey Nut Cheerios at the time and she worked on Honey Nut Cheerios as well. She launched it. So I was like, oh, wow. Like she had the same job I did. She looks like me. If she could achieve it, like I can achieve it too. And I've just had a lot of really incredible bosses along the way. And then I remember when I went into beauty, um, Camilo Pane, who was um, the CEO of Cody, I remember like he saw the possibility of me making the switch from Unilever to Cody. And so Camilo Pane, AC Eggleston Bracey, like they saw the opportunity for me to break into beauty, which is something that people didn't typically do at such a high level. And, and having the opportunity to be able to do that was amazing. And then Mike Hopkins, who is my current boss, who's, you know, the CEO of Amazon um, Prime Video and Studios, who made the gutsy move of like hiring someone from cosmetics to come head up, you know, marketing for studios and, and Prime Video. And it's been such a great transition for the service and for me personally. So yeah, I just, I feel like our lives and our journeys, they're always meandering. They're never straight paths. And we always have people along the way who see things in us sometimes that we don't see in ourselves or who tell us things that just give us that extra bit of strength that keeps us going. And I've been very fortunate to have more than my fair share along the way. And I wouldn't be here without all of them. Well, I can tell just from getting to know you over this short amount of time, you're a humble leader. So you probably don't even realize this, but now you're the one setting the example for other uh, marketers and other people. You're, you're the one that they're looking at saying, wow, so, you know, I can be a CMO. And I, I wonder if that's dawned on you at all, or if you think about that now that you're in the position that you're in. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, young, like people tell me that all the time. And it's, it's weird. Like, I don't know that I've fully processed that yet. Cause I think if you think about it, it becomes quite a heavy crown to, to wear. Cause you're like, Oh my God, I have to be perfect all the time. But actually, like, I think it's, it's so important to them and to you that you are yourself and that you don't carry that weight and you still show up as yourself, the flawed part of yourself, as well as the great parts of yourself, because that's what makes it possible. Cause if you become this person, that's just seems perfect in every way, then the dream becomes a little harder to reach. But if they see someone who has great sides to them and flawed sides to them, they see that, you know what, like it's possible for, for all of us if we, you know, work incredibly hard. We have great partnerships. We have great teams. Um, we have great ideas. Like it's, it's possible for all of us to get there. And, then, and that's the professional side. But what people also don't know is like all the all the hype people that I have on my personal side. So like my husband, my son, my sisters, my friends, like it really does an African proverb that it takes a village. Like it really does take a village um, for anyone to achieve um, any goal or dream that they've set for themselves. Like nobody ever does that alone. And um, I think, yeah, just really stopping to reflect on all the people along the way that have carried you um, and made it possible for you to achieve what you've achieved. I'm eternally grateful for that. Absolutely. And did you move to America at 15 or was it 15 years? I didn't quite catch when you moved. Yeah, to I moved to America at 15 and I have been here now for 28, almost 29 years. It's crazy. And where are you from that. originally? From Nigeria. 
So, so yeah, I say that I'm Nigerian American, even though now I've lived here for almost twice as long as I lived there. So I'm now more American than I'm Nigerian, but like it helps give people context for a name like Ukonwa Ojo and that little bit of accent that they still hear. They're like, where's that from? I hear something. I don't know what it is, but I hear something. Um, so I say I'm Nigerian American because it just gives people a greater set of, um, greater sense of context for all the different pieces of me that kind of made me who I am today. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit about your, your team and just talent in general, right? We have collaboration teams that I know you're a part of where one of the topics is just the elevated role of marketing and what that means coming through the pandemic and most importantly, moving forward, what that means. So tell me a little bit about what you see as uh, critical to success moving forward for marketers. Yeah, I think the saying from the Bible that I love, and it says like, without a vision, like people perish. Um, and like, it's something that I remind myself always, because it's like, we we really shouldn't have anyone on the team do a day's worth of work until we've clearly articulated where we're going. Um, and that's a very kind of fundamental need in marketing. And I, I, I believe that marketing bears that role, probably more so than any other role in the C-suite is like really painting a picture and a vision of where we're going and like how we're going to get there and what our priorities are. And so I see that as a really core part of my role. It's important for the function of marketing, but it's also important for attracting talent, for keeping talent, um, is just making a very clear picture of what the future looks like. And I think especially now where the temporal um, sometimes seems so dire or seems so difficult our, our roles as visionaries becomes even more important. Like we have to allow the organization and our teams to see a future that they don't see today and to plan for it anyway, even though they don't see it, even though they don't feel it, they have to plan for that future and they have to work as though that future is coming um, because that's how we tap into the most creative, inspirational, like most beautiful part of ourselves. So I don't see that going anywhere. Um, and I, I see that as being a very fundamental like role for marketing. Um, I think humanity is really important. I think um, the working in today's world is asking more of us as humans than we've ever given. We're juggling so many balls. And it's really important that like as, hu- as leaders that we show up as humans, humans with a great sense of empathy, recognizing that people are working harder than they ever have, um, that the lines between work and home are completely blurred. And so just having that level of empathy and humanity when the dog comes on the screen or the child comes on the screen, that's all part of work now. Like it's all very human and it's all very messy and being very okay you know, being very um, okay with that. And then the last bit of it is, is really having an impact on the business. Like I said, there's that left brain and right brain thing. And we only have, you know, the right to continue to exist as a business, if we are healthy as a business, if we're growing. Um, And I see that as a really core role for marketing, like the core role for marketing is that path to growth. And so really working really hard with the team and with our cross-functional partners, to paint that path to growth and to create the building blocks of whether it's innovation or creativity and advertising and all the different ideas and promotions that will bring new um, people into the service, retain the people that we have on the service and, and make sure that we're continuously surprising and delighting our customers. That is like day one behavior for us 
every single day. Like we cannot take our eye off the ball on that. But yeah, the combination of the vision, the humanity, and just the relentless focus on the business and on growth, the combination of those three things, I think are really important for the future. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree, especially on the piece of marketing being such a catalyst for communicating that vision, both and and in the role, in the case of the CMO, both for your teams and then also your cohort, right? The other members Mm -hmm. of the C-suite. Do you have any advice for leaders on how to effectively do that? How do you make sure that you're kind of that that lighthouse that's continuing Mm -hmm. to communicate that vision and make sure everybody's brought on board with that? Yeah, um, I love that question because I, that's a that's a conversation that I have with my team all the time. Because one of the mistakes that we make as marketers is that we are inherently creative and we are inherently conceptual. And so we can see a future that a lot of people can't see. And we get very frustrated when we're trying to sell a vision and other people can't see it. And so I talk to my team all the time and I'm like, hearts before heads. Like you gotta win their hearts before you try to get their heads. And so you have to make this concept conceptual for them because a lot of people can't see what you can see. And so it it can be frustrating for marketing to put as much art and craft into selling their colleagues and selling their um, cross-functional partners as they do customers because they're like, they should just trust us. And I was like, you're more conceptual. You're seeing things that they can't. And so like, how can you bring this to life for them so they see it, so they feel it, they can touch it? Because if you can bring them along the journey it makes it a lot easier that like you can create the future together. But if you're, if it's all in your head and you just want them to trust you, some people will do that blindly, but most people need to see something, feel something, touch something. And so putting that craft as much craft into bringing your colleagues along for the journey, as you do bringing customers and consumers along the journey, I think is important and is incredibly important. Absolutely. Okay, such great advice you just shared, Ukonwan. I want to ask you for more advice because I I want more and I I think our listeners would want some more from you too. So just again, back to your journey to the C-suite and um, especially since you didn't start out knowing that's where you would be, what advice do you have for other marketers who are just along their career path trying to navigate it today? I would say like never let something go out the door that you are not incredibly proud of. Um, there's so many times that either because of time, because of peer pressure, you are tempted to do things that are less than extraordinary in your eyes. Don't ever let that happen. The work is incredibly important and it, like, it really needs to matter to you. And just being really obsessed about making sure that you are being very diligent about like connecting humans out there in the world with your brand and like finding that intersection in the middle. And when you don't feel strong about that intersection, like stop it, don't let it go out of the door. And there's so many times when I've had to hold things, push things, delay things. Cause I'm like, oh, it's not right yet. I can't put my hand on it, but we're like, we need to work on it a little bit more. And I've always said a lot of times when I've launched my best work, there's always been a knot in my stomach because I'm like, oh, this could be amazing. It could be terrible. But like, I did something that scared me a little. Um, and I think it's so easy to be drawn to the safe. It's so easy to be drawn to the popular, but back to the we are, we see things that other people don't sometimes because we're more conceptual and there has to be some element of it that scares you a little bit because other people don't see it quite yet until it's like totally brought to life. And if 
everybody can see it, it's probably not special enough. There should be that element of special that's on there that you feel, your team feels, and you're like, ooh, there's magic here. We can feel it. Like we're still working on it, but you can feel it. And until you feel that magic, don't let it don't let it go out the door because the when you look back on your career, it will be the summation of a lot of magic. Like a lot of the safe will fall to the ground and what ends up remaining and what ends up sticking are those moments and those moments in your career that scared you a little, but you pushed through and you were courageous and you let it go onto the, into the world and it did what it did. And when you look back over a 20 something year career, those are the moments that you remember. And those are the moments that people remember you for. And those are the things that make your career at the end of the day. But it's tempting to just go, you know what, I just want to get this done. I just want to move on to the next thing to just ship the average out or, you know, ship the safe out. But I, I would push you to, to really ask yourself, am I really proud of this? Um, is this something that I want to be associated with 15 years from now, 10 years from now, five years from now? And until the answer is yes, like keep working it until, until you really arrive at that moment of magic. I love that. It's like just a constant gut check. Yeah. Um, that's great advice. Thank you. And I could just pick your brain all day, but you know, we are going to just wrap with our final question, which I'm actually, I'm very curious what you're going to say to this, this question. So if you were not a CMO, which you're so perfectly fit for, but if not, and money and talent were of no object, you have all of it in the world. What would you be doing? Mm, I would own my own business. Um, I'm the daughter of two entrepreneurs, like it's in the blood, it's in the DNA. And to be honest, I feel like a lot of times what makes me stand out at work is I operate as though it was, I'm an owner. And so I've always had this entrepreneurial like drive to me. I have it at work. And if I wasn't doing it for someone else, I would be doing it for myself. So I would definitely be an entrepreneur in terms of what business, like I have ideas all the time. Um, because <laughs> okay, I, follow up question. <laughs> I have ideas all the time, but my mom was a fashion designer and I love fashion. Like I just really do. And I was like, oh, I have so many ideas, so many unmet needs in the world that I'm like, oh, if I had a moment, I would create this and I would create that and I would create that. I was like, but I don't have time for that. Back to Prime Video and Amazon Studios. <laughs> but yes, I, I would... It would have to do with something to do with fashion. I also like really love travel. I'm obsessed with travel. If you're taking a trip with me, I'm the one who obsesses and does all the research and like all the work about where we're going to go and how we're going to do it. So I can imagine a world where I travel the world to get inspiration that I now pour into beautiful pieces that I get to show to the world. That would be merging my two loves is that inspiration kind of comes from beautiful cultures and people and natural surroundings like all over the world. And I take all of that creativity and like bottle that up in something incredibly beautiful that that people can buy to make their days feel a little bit more special. Yeah. Well, there you have it. There's your side yeah. hustle right there. That's First my time. side hustle for the one second I have free a day. Yes. All your time. <laughs> With all um, my free time. Well, Hanwa, thank you so much. I, I enjoyed um, just getting to know you a bit more and thank you for sharing all that great advice. Well, can't wait to see what you you and your team do this year. We'll, we'll see it on our prime video. Uh, yeah, you'll see it. Night. <laughs> You'll see it. Well, this I've truly enjoyed this, Heidi. Thank you so much. This was so fun. 
Awesome. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day. Late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 